0: Do it nice and loud so that when I listen it blows my fucking eardrums out I can't I can't <laughs>
1: This is the epic new podcast, Two Idiots and a List, where you're going to get Two Idiots and a List. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Fasolo and Keurig McMillan.
0: Well, we're still working out the issue with Universal Music, but since we've contested their claim against us and no other episodes have been taken down... We've decided that we're headed back to our original podcast feed.
1: Are you going to drop in the Muse song,
0: <laughs> which uh, the Uprising, <laughs> right there? Fuck you, Universal. <laughs> so keep following the new feed at Twenty One Idiots and a List because they may take us down altogether. Who knows? In which case, Twenty One Idiots and a List will be our new home. Sorry we're coming at you a little late here. We uh, had some vacation, some illness.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I had an awful pink eye. Like, oozing from both <laughs> eyes. It was terrible. For those of you who know wear contacts, know what I'm talking about.
0: You didn't tell me about that before we Eskimo kissed.
1: Before we French kissed?
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, by the way, I have a note here. Seasons of Wither by Aerosmith? Yes. Killer tune. Killer yeah, tune. I actually man. really liked it. I told you, man. I had never heard it before. That is absolutely an early 90s alt grunge sound.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. You definitely can see Mother Love Bone or Healy i C- I'm still trying to track that down.
0: Yeah. Blind Melon could have done it. Yeah. Mad Season could have done it. it was, it's a good tune, man. It's not bad for Aerosmith. <laughs> All
1: right. Let's leave those boys alone.
0: Yeah, we we They, have, they, have, they have a tour to, to catch up with. <laughs> We've abused them enough. Yeah. All right, coming up.
2: Boo Fighters!
0: So I have had the hardest time getting you to do this episode, and so I'm going to hit you with it right off the bat. What is the
1: reticence against the foos? Well, I just didn't think that I was going to be able to do a good enough job with them, because it's a big, you know, it's a big, in my mind, was a big, important band. And I was like, well, I just don't want to mess it up, kind of like... You know, he was Madonna, but then I I did a little more digging. I'm like, it's look, this is our thirtieth band. I shouldn't be that reticent about it. I started dig, you know, looking around. Into them. I, I know the Foo Fighters. Yeah, I, I've I've been with them all the way from '95. Like I know them. Right, I've seen them twice together. Yeah, that's right. I think I'm just coming away with like I don't dig on them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I will preface this entire hour or so with. This statement of what I tr- I feel to believe a fact: Dave Grohl is a sweet, sweet man, a, an earnest individual. I would agree. Believes what he says and does some really, really cool things. Uh huh. He's a great dude. For by all accounts that I can see, and I've I've dug deep on this dude, and I've read his uh, his memoirs, and I've seen a lot of his documentaries. I really like him. He's a student of rock and roll. He's self-effacing. He's all the things that I would, you know, if I, if I had the chance to meet him, I'd probably rap with him for weeks on end and never be bored. That all put aside, the work stands on its own. It's Tom Petty.
0: So that's what I have here. You could argue that they are touching on Tom Petty's symbol. I don't think that's an unfair statement. I think the simplicity is buried under heavy chords and hard vocals, which differentiates it from Tom Petty. Yeah. And they'll throw in some Rush-esque rhythms. Mm-hmm. You could also kind of say that it's simple, yet surprisingly layered in some complexity with the breakdowns and tempo changes and rhythms and whatnot. But yeah, I think you—I you, think there's some validity to the statement. Of its simplicity. It's a pop rock band. Dave Grohl said it himself. He
1: said, through Kurt, I saw the beauty of minimalism and the importance of music that's stripped down. Yeah. And I never really felt the need to chase anything else. And it shows. No. they, they album won Who Fighters in 95 to the, the, the newest one, but here we are in 23. It's kind of the same. That's all. They yeah. all could have been, you could put this on a greatest hits album and you could do your 20 songs and you'd be done. And you have a 25-year career or longer than that. It's almost a 20, 20, almost 30-year career, right, with that
0: band. And there's just no evolution. No, I don't know that you've seen a ton of change, and I don't know that he was shooting for that. Well, he says it It was
1: like, right. I never, I was never chasing anything else. So I'm like, oh, well, all right, but I'm like, I don't really have to chase it either. But <laughs> <laughs> I got my handful of songs, and thank you very much. And right, I'll be on my way. The the band has listen. I don't. I, And I don't know what he says about this. I'm sure he has addressed it multiple times. The Foo Fighters got a huge head start. Sure they did. Nirvana was over in 94. The Foo Fighters were up and running in 18 months later. 95. You know, he got a PhD in the music industry from his experiences at Nirvana. Which, by the way, he was the seventh drummer that Nirvana had, right? And it wasn't his first band. No, it wasn't. But... For through that he's like okay well listen I'm not done with music music's not done with me and I know how to do all this shit I know how to get a world tour off the stage I know how to contact people in the media to get buzz about my shit I know what I'm doing and they exploded and they, it was just like a meteor right. it's still going it wasn't because it was like holy shit it's groundbreaking music it was like holy shit Dave Grohl actually writes songs and his first two albums really good songs Yeah, and then after that it's kind of like Pearl Jam Syndrome.
0: You get one. Yeah. He's, I wouldn't say any of these albums I looked at and went, oh my gosh, this is a fantastic album. Even the first two, I, I pulled a handful of songs off of every album that I was like, oh, I really like this song. I really like this song. And then there was probably 70% of the other rest of the album yeah. that I was like, I have no idea what this is, and it doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, I found a few in the course of listening to them over the years that I was like, "Well, this wasn't a radio hit, and I really like it," which we'll talk about yeah. in a bit. But there's a couple in there. But again, he
1: knows like I'm gonna put this out. I'm gonna write it for the radio. Or I'm gonna write it for airplay because I need to. And this is what this is the formula. Yeah,
0: he met the formula,
1: and I think that, that that and and so the Foo Fighters now has become this industry of nonstop touring. Yeah. So they're like the dead or the stones, and it's like that's how we make our money. People love to come out and sing our songs with me. I love to be out there in front of them. Even when I break my leg, I'll make a fucking rock throne, which right. I think was fucking awesome. We yeah. saw that show, yes. and I'm like, this is gonna oh, this'll be interesting. But if there's one guy in rock and roll who could pull it off, it'd be Dave Grohl. And he did. He did. It was fucking hilarious. There's something really
0: real about him yes. to me. There's... And I
1: I don't think that's an act. I don't either. i I, I don't think that he's a real dude. I just like
0: again, he doesn't take himself too seriously, which is one all. thing that if you think about it. now, that's not a small statement. This guy was one third, arguably one fourth if you include Schmear, of, I would say, the most influential band of our lifetime, the not most ever one of the but, most
1: important bands in the last forty years,
0: yes, and they're up there with Prince. You look at how th- how that band changed an entire genre of music. Oh, yeah. Almost overnight. <laughs> yeah. You know, Prince did his thing, and it took some time, and he worked into it. Nirvana was, like, crushing all at once. This guy could have an ego the size of Texas, and he just might. Maybe that's just well hidden. I don't know. I don't know. It's probably hard to hide an ego.
1: If you're a giant asshole, right. the word's going to get out. That's going to come and out. it just hasn't. Yeah. Over 30 years. Th- he's been around for 35 years just has it there's a couple of scuff-ups that he's had sure your boy ian asbury from the, the cult he had a little beef with that yep, yep, but he patched that up he had beef with noel gallagher and it's right there but no that shit would get out
0: yeah no, he's a
1: raging asshole
0: i think he is he could be a monster douchebag and i don't see that i don't see it i think what he is is like a hummingbird <laughs> Like yeah, his wings are beating a thousand times yeah. a second, and he is just sort of bouncing from thing to thing to thing to thing. Well, he's
1: yeah, he's in television production. He did that movie, right. Um, you know. He's just he's got that that um, Sonic Highways he did for with the HBO, which will we'll, we'll wrap back around to sure. that. He's got a lot of things. He wrote his memoirs. It yeah. didn't appear to be ghost written, but you know you know
0: if he had help or whatever, that's that's a hard thing to do. It's very much written in his voice. Yeah. I read his last autobiography that he put out. I don't know if he put out something before that but at least whatever he just recently put out whatever his whatever his autobiography was and that's a it's actually a very good read It's I enjoyed it Um, some of his stories are really great he talks about uh, meeting with John Paul Jones to work on a project Uh and it just so happened that that was around his 40th birthday so he invited John Paul Jones to hang out with them on his 40th (laughs) went to enchanted no uh, medieval times dinner and tournament why not (laughs) got shit faced on Coors Light yeah (laughs) with john paul jones like that's
1: that's awesome that's the earnest kind of dude that he is yeah and and he has said it in many different ways like i was just a kid from virginia that happened to luck into something and i kept on lucking into it he told pharrell in an interview he's like pharrell was kind of like going over his career he's like dude you're such an awesome drummer and he stopped him right there and he's like stop telling me i'm an awesome drummer because i'm not i'm shit and he he went on to explain and blow pharrell's mind he's like you know that teen spirit that's straight from the Gap Band. It's a disco beat. That's dropping the bomb on me. Yeah, right. And Pharrell's just like, "Holy shit!" I yeah. never. He's like, "Yeah, dude." And when I met that dude later on in my career, I said, "I owe you my entire career." And he's like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> I saw that same interview, yeah. and I thought it was great. Exactly. Now, if you're a guy with a gigantic ego, you'd never say that. No, story. you're taking all the credit yeah, for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like again, I'm a big fan. The and just the way that he trolls the Southern Baptist Church alone. <laughs> yeah. Fuck those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> that, that's so awesome. Right. Like, where are they? They're here. All right. Get a flatbed. We're going to put the whole band on and we're just going to blow their speakers. <laughs> up. It's great.
0: Like, that's good stuff. Yeah. When I when I think about his, that analogy I gave of the hummingbird, I did find a site that had, and it was called like, I don't know, Foo Fighter Retrospective or Foo Fighter something. I don't think it was an official foos site but they had apparently gotten a hold of him and asked him to comment on just about every song on every album. Now you ask an artist to do that and eventually he's going to get tired, but he said on probably at least five or six that I saw, I think it's the best song I've ever written. Now, I don't know if that's just tongue in cheek, like I have to say something because you're asking me for a comment on my on every song on every album, mm-hmm. or if that's just him going, you know, like a hummingbird. <consistency> like, Ooh, yeah, this. Oh, this was fantastic. Yeah. Ooh, <inaudible> oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, for
1: sure. You know, I, I can, I can, def-
0: I can definitely see that too. Yeah. I mean,
1: these are creations of his own mind, and then like, you know, well, I think everything that he does, or everything the band does, is probably a. You know, he says it's a collaboration, but. He's not the sole songwriter. No, I think he spreads that around yeah. to keep the boys happy. But, like, you know, I like think he's the most of the, the collaboration through there.
0: I mean, oh, I would imagine he's got his finger on the pulse of everything and, and probably artistic control over everything. And the problem
1: for him, I see, is like, well, not the problem, is like his challenge is that the rest of that band, save for Taylor Hawkins, are zero personalities. Yeah, there's
0: not a whole lot there.
1: I mean, Pat Smear is, he, that's why he left. he didn't want fame, and he came back because he liked the money well he also he also didn't want a tour, you know right and he doesn't want a tour that like that and, and you know that bassist and like they're just kind of like wallpaper, and he's got to carry the load for entertaining sixty
0: thousand people a night right. and he does well now don't discount their musical talents because I think both the bass player and the guitarist are pretty good.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. Their musical talents are fine. It's a professional band, for right. sure. But it's like, you know... the. the
0: he, In terms of personality, like there's to, not... He to be, be able to lean on yeah. somebody and say, like, hey, take it, Pat. Right. You know? <laughs> no. You're like, take, I'm tired. He runs the show, and I think he likes it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but think he likes it he that way. He gave
1: Taylor Hawkins space to mm-hmm. come out from the kit yeah. and do his Queen thing. Right. But unfortunately, that's gone now. Right. And, you know, I don't know what his... I'm. I gotta say, I'm not,
0: I'm not itching to go out and see him again, just because I've, I've seen him twice and I'm like, I, I got it. I got it. You pulled Taylor Hawkins out of there. That kind of hurts. This guy that replaced him, John Freeze, F-R-E-E-S-E. He played with a few, a few different bands, played with Paramore, Nine Inch Nails, Guns N' Roses, Weezer. But it sounds like kind of after these bands had established themselves. So I think he's like a, probably a pretty talented drummer, but he, Probably just, like, fill slots. I think he
1: can do the work. It's just that he can't – it's not a personality.
0: No, I agree. You
1: know, Taylor Hawkins was a personality back there. Right. He was an animal. Right, you right. Know, and he was great. And, you know, he was a troubled soul, and, uh, you know, it ended how it did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was a guy who wrote an article for the Grammys website in which he called the Foos a hard rock dad's idea of punk and R.E.M. condensed into one easily swallowed pill. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I thought so, too. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. I thought so, too. Yeah. 15 Grammys on 31 nominations. That's that's a little different. He. <laughs>
1: I mean that goes into the whole like you know, Mr. Last Rock Star on Earth. Like I think everybody swings from his nuts, like just because he keeps a rock culture alive.
0: For for him, I got to give him credit for that. Yeah. There really aren't that many rock bands out there right now. And maybe for a I reason. I guess not. Maybe for a reason. Nothing you know, Maybe like that. that that genre has kind of moved on, and he's kept it alive. Yeah, you know? and I mean, when
1: there's still space for the Rolling Stones to be touring still. Right. I mean, there, there's, there's got to. But, but be you're not pulling soon. in twenty year old
0: kids to see the Stones.
1: No, you're not. No, Metallica's not. Right. You know, Metallica's on its you know it's it's summer tour here, and they're they're about set to hit Chicago in next week, I think. But you know, there's still you know they're. They're last of a dying breed, too. I just hate to think that
0: the Foo Fighters are like the standard barrier of rock and roll in this country, but I guess that's where we're at. I can't really think of one off <laughs> yeah. the top of my head that's been putting out albums and still playing, unlike The Stones or yeah. Guns N' Roses is touring. And, well, I they haven't put out an album, I don't know when.
1: No, but it's like, you're right. It's like people from the 80s and the 90s who still have, you know, they're the top bills. Guns and Roses is a top bill. So is Metallica. So is U2 and, you know, Leopard and, you know, these guys are all still touring. And it's like, for 30 years, there's been no rock bands. Right. W- w- what's going on? What like, happened? I-, I get hip hop. I-, I get it. Sure. I get rap and I get all that. But I mean, there used to be space for
0: everything. It's like, you're telling me that hip hop swallowed the world? And pop music has its own place, and the indie sound and all the other sounds. I agree. W- what happened to all the rock bands? I have no idea. These guys seem to be one of the last ones standing. That mm-hmm. certainly one of the last ones that's putting out consistent new music. Now yeah. you can argue whether that's good music or not. Yeah, but they're still putting it out. The only other like contender was like who is it? Like the the Kings of Leon?
1: <laughs> I don't want to listen
0: to that. No. no. And these guys only have 21 million listeners on Spotify monthly. I say only. That's a pretty good number. But, you know, if you're the last rock band standing, you'd think it'd be a little higher than that. <laughs> I don't get it, man. Right.
1: I don't get it. I was happy to bring it along. Like, so your your son asked me if he's like, I've got an extra guitar lying around. Of course I did. And I had a couple of, so I'm like, yeah, you just take them and learn the instruments, please. Anybody who's a younger than 20 years old, you know, looking to learn an instrument, I'm all for it. Just go take it.
0: He was thrilled with it. I heard yeah. him tinkling on it last night. Good. Good. And I don't mean peeing on it, but. All you know. right. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time that happened with that instrument. <laughs> Sean, sanitize the guitar, please. That's wild nights. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into this. I think you started with Aerosmith because I forced you to, because yeah. you forced me to study Aerosmith. <laughs> to
1: listen to Aerosmith.
0: <laughs> so, but look,
1: you got something out of it. <laughs> seasons of Wither. Seasons of Wither.
0: <laughs> All right. So I have a couple of honorable mentions here. My first honorable mention is off of Sonic Highways, 2014's Sonic Highways, and the song is Subterranean. Yeah. So every song on this album was recorded in a different city that meant something to the band. Uh, He recorded in Washington, D.C., which is his hometown. He recorded in Chicago, which is where his cousin lived, and the first time he saw live punk music at the Cubby Bear. And this was the song that they recorded in Seattle. And Taylor Hawkins said that the song is dark, and it's sad, and it's about the end of something. And it has that kind of feel without being overly sappy. And this is something that I do give Grohl credit for, that he doesn't dwell on the Cobain situation, because he certainly could have. Yeah. And looking at those documentaries that they did where they showed the the press conferences before shows and all the reporters, all they would do is ask him about Nirvana and the other band members would be sitting there looking bored. Yeah. I get why he wouldn't want to embrace it for a couple of reasons, not just because it's morose. Oh,
1: it's deeply painful. Painful, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, he was do. friends with
0: Cobain. He yeah. lived with him. and because
1: life moves on. Yeah,
0: we got to we got to keep going.
1: Life moves on. Did he trade on it? I don't. It doesn't seem that way. It's like this was the next
0: logical step for him going forward. I don't think he needed the to trade man. on it. I think I think the trade was already there without him necessarily, you know, using it as a means yeah. of promoting. Right? He okay. didn't have to.
1: Oh, exactly. It
0: was, he, was a, he was the coin of the realm already. Right. Like,
1: he had that cachet going into it, and, like, when they finally, they, they finally probably came to him, it's like, listen, we know that you have songs. We'll put them down, and let's see what we got here, and it's like, shit, we can make something out of this. And they did, and, they, you know, we'll put a band around you because he recorded
0: everything on the fucking album. Right. You know? And someone once called Grohl Nirvana's most successful member, and that's true. Now, maybe not the most famous, but the most successful commercially, by far, he's worth $300 million based on the estimates I saw. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, it's a troublesome statement altogether. But it is what it is. <laughs> yes. Right? It is what it is. Because Chris Novicellic ain't pulling in that kind of scratch.
1: Yeah, I think he just went back to his farm. He busted his
0: face open with the <laughs> Throwing the base in the air? Oh, boy, that was, that was ugly. It was great. Alright, for my second honorable mention, I'm going to 2017's Concrete and Gold, and the song is Sunday Rain. Taylor Hawkins sings all the leads on this oh. and McCartney is playing the drums oh. in fact McCartney did the drums in two takes and they used the first one and in 2017 he was 75 that's pretty good especially since he was a bass player for the Beatles yeah. <laughs> well, he was playing the drums he also had Ringo in the band yeah. <laughs> so probably had to fill in a couple of times <laughs> yeah Hawkins wrote the lyrics Grohl wrote the music uh, it's a really easy groove uh, Hawkins' vocals are are really good. In fact, if you've seen that footage of them playing live at Wembley, they bring out John Paul Jones to play bass. Yes, and they play—I think it was rock and roll. Grohl goes on the kit, and Hawkins goes on mic and mm-hmm. sings it. Mm-hmm. Hawkins had a great voice. He's I really great. liked it.
1: Yeah, when he did his Queen retrospective melody in the. Uh... Uh, during the, the, his part of the show, it was great. Yeah. It was great. Re- really talented dude. All right, what you got for an honorable mention? Well, I'm going to go back to the Sonic Highways album. Um, I watched that whole show. I liked it. It was kind of like, you know, thank God
0: Foo Fighters are here to save the world, you know, save, save rock and roll for the world. It was a little grandiose for my standards or my tastes. Like, I, I watched, I think, an episode and I went,
1: eh. It's a, it's a lot of it's a lot little, of Foo
0: Fighters in there. A lot of and, Foo. A lot of that was a little self-inflating for me, which I don't often get from the foos, But that one was. Eh, I mean, listen,
1: yeah, it it was. It was his show. He produced it. He directed it. I think, and he could do whatever the fuck he wants with it. For me, it would have been more like just like here's the story. Now here's a, here's my connection to this city or town or whatever, and I'm going to get out of the way and let Buddy Guy tell you about music in Chicago. Right. Which you know he did a little bit. But, you know, they brought Rick Nielsen in for this song, too, which I'm a big fan of, the something from nothing.
2: Oh, sweet ignition, be my fuse. You had no choice, you had to shoes. It fell well to yesterday, Say so goodbye, I'm on my way. I threw it all away because I'd t-
1: I like the lyrics. Kind of tells the story of you know Chicago, kind of infused buddy guys, kind of legend in there, and uh, I like it. It's a good, good hooky kind of uh, song. It's got a nice turnaround in the chorus, and yeah, it's a, it's good enough for an honorable
0: mention. I agree. I think that song is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to hear live. Yeah. And if yeah, you yeah. if you look at the songs that I'm guessing we're gonna end up with on both of our lists, yeah, you could probably say that about many of them. Yes. Because this is a fun band to see live. A uh-huh. lot energy. It's not the muse show where there's a bunch of distractions. It's a little more pure from the standpoint that you're just watching the band. And unfortunately, you were just watching Grohl and Hawkins for the most part. Yes. So now you can only watch Grohl. Yeah. But that song, great crunchy song. Yeah. The guitar textures are cool. Like, I, I like that song. Mm-hmm. All right, my number five I'm going with Everlong. a love song. Some say it's about his ex-wife, Jennifer Youngblood, and others say it's about Louise Post, the front woman from Veruca Salt, who he dated after his divorce. If you listen to what Hawkins is doing on the hi-hat, it just doesn't stop while he's dropping in snare hits. And the drum fills going into the pre-chorus and the chorus aren't easy. Like, he, that guy was something else. And I think this song... Is one of the highlights of his career with this band in terms of how how intricate it is, how difficult the the love skill level is to do what he's doing. The video is great. It's you know a typical self-effacing Foo's video. <laughs> I laughed out loud when Dave Grohl hits Pat Smear with his giant hand. He basically <laughs> just slaps him away. They were good for that.
1: I mean, they did embrace kind of fun videos. Yeah, um, I think they're the last band to really do
0: that. Self-effacing. Yeah, they right. were just you know they didn't take themselves too serious. No,
1: no, and that's you know that's that's what makes the Foo Fighters kind of like easy going down. Right. You know, they're they're you, you can tell they're just they're, it's a big family and they like to be you know on the road together and. Mm-hmm. Again, they have a set list of 25 songs that everybody knows, and it's like, yeah, I'll see them.
0: That's fun. That seems like a fun night out. A couple hours out, and you're good to go, right? right? You don't need to play the B side shit. We don't really need it. Yeah.
1: I mean, Everlong is one of those, you know, those that. Specifically, that song is like everybody knows that song, right? And it's you know, it's it's well placed five on your list because it's like,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had to mention it because I yeah. love those drums. I love that aspect of the song. For as
1: simple as that song is, yeah. it's, it's a
0: lot of skill going. Right, it. right. All right, what's your number five? So my number
1: five is "Learn to Fly." It is from the "Nothing Left to Lose" 1999 album. Always get it confused with Tom Petty's "Learning to Fly,"
0: very different song. <laughs> so, and
1: again, it's like going back to like the simplicity of his song materials. It's about you know, I guess taking flight after being in such a huge experiential band like Nirvana. This is you know a couple years down the road from that, but it could be like this. I've I've got another supergroup on my hands, yeah, and now I'm gonna have to learn to fly this one all by my own. It seems. Right, but I do like I like the song I like you know his, his intro guitar work is is good it's like again he's not a rock he's not a guitar hero and he, he's the first guy to say that like he's he's the backup rhythm guy and but he does I like it
0: it's just it's really easy chords to kind of like you know it's just all open chord stuff and it's yeah. pretty easy but. And, and again you've got Hawkins adding complexity through the mm-hmm. drum beats in those verses he's got that sort of syncopated rhythm that he's laying yep. down and it's nothing crazy but it's evident how talented and skilled this guy was to be able to, to do that.
1: And the ghost of fucking Tom Petty is now I'm singing Learning to Fly in my fucking head. So
0: now I can't hear Learn to Fly. <laughs> I don't know. I forget what the song sounds like. <laughs> and thanks to Universal Music, our audience can't hear about that song on our episode.
1: <laughs> fucking drop it on him again. Just Just, just entitle it Mom Petty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They'll never find it. <laughs> uh, I like that. All right, my number four. I actually am going back again to Sound City, and I didn't realize I had more than one off of there, but I do. Sonic Highway. I'm sorry. Sound City is his documentary. Sound City is a documentary. Sonic Highway was off my honorable mention. You are correct. This is off of the Sound City soundtrack, and the song is Mantra. He did this with Josh Homey from Queens of the Stone Age and Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. This song builds slowly throughout with a guitar getting louder and louder in the background. And I, I just like the way it feels as it builds up. But Spotify had recommended this to me at one point. Before, before we started doing this podcast, Spotify has got a function called Discover Weekly. Mm. And what it'll do is, is it'll tell you, you know, well, you've been listening to XXXXX. I won't tell you what but it listens to what you've been listening to and then spits out.
1: Triple X soundtracks?
0: Yes. (laughs) Jesus. But then it'll tell you, you know, based on what you've been listening to, you might like this. That's intense. That's right. (laughs) I'm an onion. (laughs) And before we started doing this podcast, I used to get a lot of recommendations. Since we started doing this podcast and I'm using Spotify to to research (laughs) shit, my fucking Discover Weekly has gone to absolute hell. It sends you a message weekly to see a therapist. Yeah, yeah, right. Whoa, you just listened to way too much Tom Petty. Whoa, you just listened to way too much Duran Duran. Aerosmith, now Elton John. What
1: the fuck is going on with this guy?
0: Check into him. (laughs) There is a point in the song where Trent Reznor comes in He leaves a big thumbprint on this throughout with a, a bass line. Yeah, well,
1: you wouldn't expect Red Rizzo to like, Yeah, right, be subtle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Towards the end, he comes in with backing vocals that add that nine inch nail sound. It's not super forward, but it's it's kind of subtle and it's there. when I heard it and I'm like, Oh, yeah, there he is. Yeah.
1: A lot of industrial noise, is like an iron pounding, <laughs> you know, right. screaming in the background <laughs> with chains wrapped around them. <laughs> I like it. It's a, it's a look. All right, what's your four? I'm going to the Echoes of Silence album, and I want to hear The Pretender.
0: This is my number two. Oh,
1: okay. Well, then we can leave
0: it for later. All right. (laughs) We'll table that one. Mm -hmm. All right. That brings me to my number three. My number three is off of One by One in 2002, and the song is All My Life.
2: One by One, Hidden Up My Sleeve.
0: This is my son's favorite song, by the way, Shani. Oh, really? I missed you on the Muse episode. I planned ahead this time and I asked you for it. I used to jog. You know, I used to run, I don't know, three times a week. Nothing terribly crazy, a couple, three miles. I had a playlist, and this one was one that I really liked to run to. So when we heard him live, I kind of felt the urge to get up and <laughs> start running around. Just
1: run around Wrigley Field. <laughs> running around. <laughs> yeah.
0: In their documentary, they said this was the song that would bring every show back to center if the concert wasn't going well for them. Okay. I th- thought that was kind of cool. I like that idea of, like, shit, man, stuff just doesn't feel right. Let's hit this, right. and it'll just shake everything out, and we'll be good. All the jitters are gone, or the crowd's going to erupt, or whatever. It's
1: amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I- A band like that, in crowds like that, it's like... Shit goes wrong sometimes. Right, it just doesn't
0: feel right. Yeah, it's you get cool. to this; it's your reset button. Yeah, yeah. That's got to be a cool feeling. Neat. So I'm guessing they probably play it like mid-set every time they play it, just because of that. Uh, this is one of their Grammys. I think it's probably their heaviest song. It's got a uh, got a little odd story behind it. I don't know if you know the story behind this. Mm-hmm. Someone asked him what it was about, and he said, "Well that that song is a little dirty." Apparently, Dave really is fond of uh, performing oral sex on women. All right. Hey, don't let it go to waste. I love it, but I hate the taste.
1: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Well, it's it's not uh, lingerie, second floor.
0: It's, Dave enjoys yodeling into the canyon. Good on you. <laughs> i don't think the whole song is about that because as i read the lyrics that was there was a couple of references down on his knees blah 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 but uh yeah it wasn't aerosmith filth which i was happy to see that's my type of film like a blue collar filth you know you don't like this subtle shit all right
1: what's your number three so my number, number three is uh, off I think their best album the color and the shape that's their second album 97 that's really where a lot of their their hits come from and then they' I think their best songs and I really like Monkey wrench One, two, I like the beginning of it. I think it just takes off, and it just doesn't, you know, it's a a high-octane kind of song. And I like the ending, too. It's really cool that way he's, like, yelling into the microphone and stuff like that. About his, you know, whatever he's screaming about. (laughs) uh, But on the flip side of that, like, one of the better uh, versions I've seen of this song is when he did it acoustically by himself in Howard Stern's studio. So either version I'll take, but the studio version is really awesome. I really like his his breakdown at the end is really cool.
0: One of the things I like about this song a lot is the pauses that they yeah. put into it. Yeah. Like they just come to that dead stop and then kick it back in again.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a cool song to play, you know, because of those things and those you know techniques that they use in the song in the song.
0: Right, so I, I like it. It's yeah. Cool. Okay, that brings us to our fantasy concert lineup. Right. Why don't you go first? I've got first. I've got kind of a thing here. You got a thing. I got a thing. I All mean, right. it's not a huge thing, but I got a couple of couple <laughs> I, of nuggets. I love it when you
1: theme your <laughs> your, uh,
0: your line. It is themed, yes, oh, good, it is good. themed.
1: All right. So when I was putting this th- together, I was like, well, I don't know what to do with these guys here. So I, I was always when I'm when I was doing this this research, I was like, I'm reminded of of uh, uh, something that Eddie Vedder said in an interview and it was later on in his career and he he was asked to reconcile his the band's popularity and he's like you know for the life of me I can't understand why Pearl Jam made it so big he's like for Every one of the Pearl Jams that made it out of Seattle, there were seven working bands that I knew of for sure that were way better than us and they just never got their shot. Never got their shot. And that kind of like wraps me back around to the Foo Fighters. It's like the Foo Fighters made it because they got their shot, because Grohl put in the time in Nirvana and like, like again, he had that infrastructure already kind of built in and he had the talent and the songs to write a new album and get another band together. But I'm thinking about the, the bands during that time period that I think are good enough that never really got their shot, should have had bigger careers. Okay. So I'm going to go first with Eve Six.
2: Here's to the
1: I like that band. Got two good albums. Their for, for, uh, freshman and sophomore albums were really excellent. And then they just disappeared. I'm trying to recall what they sang. There's a lot of good songs there. I mean, just, there's one hit, to, uh, Here's to the Night. And then uh, this is a band that got it shot, but kind of like petered out. But I would like, I thought that every song I ever heard from them from their albums for the radios was a little bit different. So, like, looking at that evolution of musicianship where it's like kind of from the Foo Fighters kind of lacking a little bit and that band is Everclear we can Of santa monica
0: you just got back right? i did i was in, I was in santa, santa monica last week Right. so that's my that's my lineup okay for my foo fighters festival we're gonna have three bands including the on top of the foo fighters and we're gonna start i talked about the john paul jones story we're gonna start with them crooked vultures <laughs> This was a project Grohl did with John Paul Jones and Josh Homey. or is it Homme, H-O-M-M-E. We'll call them Homme. We'll, we'll call him quiz. <laughs> <laughs> they started this project, they only put out one album, 2009, won a Grammy. It was good. It's a good album. It's worth listening to. Yeah. And since Josh Homme was part of Them Crooked Vultures, we're also going to see the Queens of the Stone Age.
2: We've got something.
0: This was a band that Hame started. 2009, they started. and I think they've pumped out probably oh, six or eight, maybe more. Right. There's albums. always been that connection with with Grohl in Queens and the Queensland Stone
1: Age. Yeah. It's like it's. I don't want to call them their pet project, but he's got a really solid connection with that band, whatever it is.
0: Yeah. And and they're good. They're good. They got some good stuff. Sure. And then we're gonna roll out with the Eagles of Death Metal. Right on. This was another band formed by Josh Hame. So Josh is now part of all three of these.
1: It's kind of like a Kevin Bacon. That's That's right. Separation. (laughs) That's right.
0: It's a weird name for this band. Never really understood it until I actually did a little research here. Hame and Jesse Hughes, who is the lead singer, were in a bar together. And you're going to like this. They saw a dude like totally rocking out to Winds of Change by the Scorps. Mm -hmm. How could you not? (laughs) How could you not? Well, they asked him, like, dude, why are you rocking so hard? And the guy said that it was death metal. And Hami responded with, dude, this is the Eagles of death metal. I love it. (laughs) And the name was born. It's great. Great. The reason that I know of this band is quite unfortunate. This was the band who was playing in the Bataclan Theater in the 2015 terrorist attacks in Paris. They are not a death metal band. Right. It's just the name of the band.
2: Yeah.
0: There is an HBO doc where they interview the eagles of death metal. It's haunting, but it's really, really worth seeing. So that is my fantasy concert lineup. All right, Josh Homey. Josh Homey. Getting his due. Getting his time in the light. Okay, that brings us to my number two. Shouldn't it be eagles of death metal, though? I mean, to be truly... It may be eagles of death metal. (laughs) (laughs) I might have just added the the... (laughs) Oh, Actually I do think do it do is Eagles of Death Metal yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> that brings us to my number 2 you already named it and it is The Pretender. This is another one of their Grammy wins. I think this is just a good, heavy rock song. Nothing fancy. Multiple guitars are layered throughout the song, the benefit of having three guitarists in a band. Yeah. In their doc, they talk about the fact that they tour endlessly, and at that point, they run a series of clips of them playing this song in cities around the world, and you realize just how fucking much these guys have traveled. It's like Australia, the Netherlands, Peru, all over the place. And they just pop clip after clip after clip with the city name and where they were playing. And you were like, I could see where that would grind after a while. Fuck yeah. And that's that's why Pat Smear left. Grohl alluded that the song is about political unrest and unsatisfaction. The line, keep you in the dark, you know they all pretend... What if I say I'm not like the others? It kind of ties in with that. And that's another interesting thing about Grohl. He doesn't really explain his songs in all that much depth. And he may not really know, right? He may have just kind of started writing some poetry based on a abstract thought and it created a song. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Again, there's, there's certain bands that will do that. Pink Floyd comes to mind where it kind of, you know, it enriches the song a little bit more, but then there are other bands like R.E.M. that we've we discovered, like, the lyrics don't really mean much at all anyhow, right. and it doesn't, to us, to myself, to my ears, it doesn't matter. Right. You know? It's a melody that that is a killer melody, um, especially in this song. Killer hooks, too. Yeah. So, like, that's all, like, that's the formula. He's got it. It's good. I like that. All right. What's your number two? All right. Well
0: you going to make a change up?
1: No, I'm not going to. I think I'm going to chicken out, but I don't want to chicken out. This- <laughs> <laughs> I want to chicken. Well. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, listen, can I do a 2A, 2B? Sure. and Let's do that. <laughs> That's just half a chicken. <laughs> half, a, half a cluck. All right. So my 2A is the best of you. I've
2: got another confession, man.
1: I think it just blew my mind when I saw them perform it at Wembley, when they brought up Paul John Paul Jones for that, that right. set. That was Wembley, was I believe. A, yeah. Killer. Killer. Great the song. Live, the, the live version, too. Yeah. It's just, you know, with the whole crowd singing it back to
0: Him." It's like, what a what a rush that must be. And it's a great song. It's I, I love it. That scene of them playing at Wembley, this is, because I've seen that Wasting Light documentary a number of times. Yeah. I, it was on our DVR at one point, and then whenever somebody else came over that I knew liked music, yeah, it's yeah. a really good documentary I'm to sure. watch, even if you're not a Foo Fighters fan. Yeah. So I would show it to him. So my wife would end up walking through, inevitably, while I was showing it again to somebody else. Just so she's screen- seen like, bits Wheatly and... screenings. <laughs> yeah, right. But there's a scene where, where, in that song, when they're playing it, where they're, they're showing Grohl and Hawkins is in the background and they kind of switch the focus of the camera and Hawkins has this look on his face like he has no fucking idea where
1: he is. Yeah, no, he's just like in in in, in awe, yeah. right? They sold this place out that said they couldn't do it. They sold it out, I think, three nights in a row. Yeah. It's like 90,000 people. It's huge. <laughs> right? I've been it's, there. It's fucking giant. It's, and, and and he, I think he's just looking out at the crowd. He's like, oh my God. Yeah. And they're all just like chanting, like, it's an American band. Yeah. Right? You know, they'll do that for Oasis, maybe, you know, but <laughs> like, they're not doing that for American bands. Yeah. That, yeah, it's cool. And that that's concert footage in, in particular is, is really cool.
0: This also made my son's top five list. Yeah. Best of you.
1: Yeah, that's a great song. My 2B, which was actually going to be my number one, but I chickened out, is their, uh, they remade uh, one of my favorite songs of all time. I know where you're going. I think it was a B-side. It didn't even show up. Like it showed up later on a remastering of A Color and a Shade. But it was initially it was like a B-side or something like that. You couldn't find it. And then one kid that I used to work with at the paint store was a super Foo Fighters fan and he played it on the CD player one day. I'm like, "Stop right the fuck there. What are you talking about? <laughs> where did this come from? Where did where did Foo Fighters get the balls to redo through Baker Street?"
0: showed me the beat I'm like holy shit that's fucking awesome it's great yeah it's great it's a great remake it is so much fun and they don't really transform it no no they just they electrified the guitar electrified it yeah they had, <laughs> they, they put a little more edge behind it yeah. and, 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 and it's the, perfect the guitar solo is awesome I mean this was
1: like this is the emblem for me and, and Foo Fighters I guess it's like they're not so serious where I can't take a gumshoe song like Baker Street and we'll zhuzh it up with our style, but we're not going to change it because it's already a perfect song in their eyes. And like, we're just going to put it in a Foo Fighters style. And I'm like, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, that's how I like go on and think about the Foo Fighters. Like, they're not really serious, you know, too serious not to do shit like that. And it always works out for them. <laughs> right. You know? you right. Know, it always works out for them. It's a great song. I love it. It's a great Either one. I'll take either one of them. Right. But that that's a great song.
0: Okay. That brings us to our number ones. My number one off of Wasting Light in 2011 is Dear Rosemary. There is a lot of Butch Vig sound in this song. The guitar-bass exchange during the first verse, and the rhythms, and the way they bounce around. Bob Mould is the backing vocalist in this. Bob Mould from Husker Du, Sugar, and his own solo career. Bob Mold's vocals are awesome. One of a kind. They're awesome. And they fit really well in this song. Cause he's got kind of a rich lower voice, and Dave is singing in his sort of little more shrill end at various points. And I think the two of them complement each other really well in this. And Grohl said it sounds like he wrote the song with mold for Who's Do. Husker was great. I really liked Husker du. Yeah. He told Mold, I'd be nowhere and nobody without your music. And Bob Mold responded, I know. <laughs> I think the vocal breakdown between Mold and... Dave Grohl towards the end is easily my favorite segment of music from this band. No shit. And I'm going to save that for my coolest four seconds. Okay.
1: Alright. Cool. Yeah. You know, I think that if I take a 30,000 foot view of my college listening experiences, I think Copper Blue is head and shoulders above everything else. I'm like,
0: that's the fucking album. It's probably the it. most talented album from that era it's when you think about it. Like crazy good. Yeah. It's so good. Crazy good. And I, uh, so
1: we saw him play at the metro uh-huh. and they played all of, of Cobra blue yeah it was maybe 19 2019
0: it was recent yeah it was yeah. just pre-pandemic yeah i've seen him a few times he's good live. he's good
1: all right what's your number one so my number one is off of the uh it's, it's off of their best album i didn't really realize that they put a best album a best of album together oh did they in 2009 i missed that what it says here <laughs> <laughs> the song is called wheels well,
2: I wanted something better, man I wish for something new And I wanted something beautiful I wish for something true the
1: Pretty much about family and, you know, being away from your family and coming back and, Uh you know, the devotion that he has towards his family. It's really like kind of heartfelt. It's an authentic song for sure. Sure. You know, it comes from his, you know, experiences being on the road all of his fucking life. (laughs) You know, right? Yeah. When the wheels touch down, it's like, you know, finally I know that I'm I'm home. Also, I'm fucking, I'm not a great airline traveler guy. (laughs) So it always makes me a little nervous. So I, I kind of like, this is a song that kind of like, when the wheels touch down, I'm I'm good.
0: <laughs> that's kind of the way I travel. He's made comments, and it might have been in that documentary, where they said, we're not going to tour anymore in extended periods where we're on the road for months and months and months on end. Yeah, We're going to be out of the house or be gone from the house for two or three weeks, and then we're going to come home for a week. And then when we do the international tours where that becomes economically unfeasible, we're going to do it over the summer so that the spouses and the children right. can come with. I gave them a lot of credit for that. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and the
1: big bands, they all do that now.
0: Yeah, of, now they even, do.
1: Even Yeah, I mean, even Metallica's new show, like I was watching, uh, there was a launch party at, on Apple TV, and Zach Lowe, I think, was interviewing Lars, and he's like, we just took a lot of our hints from like U2, and it's like, why grind? Like, I'm sure. going to go, I'll play this, you know, Munich And then I'm flying back to fucking LA. Right. And I'm going to hang out for two weeks. And then you, oh, we got a date in Barcelona. Okay, I'll come out for that. It's like, I just fly in for the dates and fly the fuck out. Just
0: come right back out.
1: Because they have that ecosystem of people that put that show on. Yeah. You know, and what it takes to put that show on. They just have to show up for the two hours. Right. They always, you know, sound check. They don't even really have to show up at the sound check anymore, I guess. But anyhow, yeah, it's, uh, that's my favorite song of theirs.
0: That's cool. It's a cool song. All right. What's your most hated? Did you do your number one? I did, dear Rosemary. Let's cut that out.
1: <laughs> I'm like, I wasn't paying attention. I did. That's I re- all right. I didn't realize that was your number one. It's okay. like
0: Metallica episode all over again. <laughs> <laughs> the Stupidest fucking song ever. <laughs> did you name that? Yeah, it was my number one. It was my number oh one. shit!
1: <laughs> ah, right. Uh, awkward. <laughs> All right. I cannot stand for soap. I think it was Medicine and Midnight, the last album they did with Taylor Hawkins. They did this song called Shame. And of course, they're doing this like promo tour on like all the late nights. And anytime they showed up somewhere, they'd do like, "Hey, we're gonna play a Foo Fighters song," you know, after the commercial break. And then they always start out with that fucking song, "Shame," and it sucked. It was awful. I don't know the song. Oh, it's terrible. It's it's, it's terrible. You can only play like five seconds of it because your ears start to bleed. It's just so <laughs> dumb. Like, and, I, and I'm like. I'll, Dude, you have to know that this is not a good song It's like, where's Monkey Wrench, motherfucker? <laughs> you know? But he, he was Dedicated to it, man, for like a year and a half That's all he would play It's like, shame, oh, terrible I, did. I just,
0: Pass <laughs> yes. So I had one That was actually quite popular, but it just Bugged the shit out of me, and it was Big Me yeah, Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah
2: been me to talk about it I could stand it If we can get around
0: And I don't know if it was the stupid Mentos commercial, you know, the Mentos commercial video. I, I like the self-effacing videos. That one rubbed me in the wrong direction. That it's the tinkling guitars. Yeah, it's there's a real sing-songy aspect to it yeah, that yeah. I, I get it. It's like uh, it feels like they're trying to do a retro throwback to an older time. I, I don't know. It didn't work for me. No, it doesn't because it's not. It's not a. It's not a rock song. No. it's kind of like it's a commercial song his voice is almost pre-pubescent like he yeah. can't quite it's not edgy it's not melodic and he can do both of those that one he never really found it i don't really think that that was his first album right and I, don't I think so he, i don't
1: think he found that edgy hard rock voice to a second second album but yeah no i don't i didn't like it And 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 again like my hero might be a good song I can't enjoy it. And I know he's told, like, he's told f- four different versions of what this song is about. I don't I don't care for any one of them, and I just, it ruins the song for me. It's um it's a little overplayed. It's very trite. Is this song about Kirk Cobain? Is this song about, you know, your... It's like,
0: I don't care. Right. I, it's already, like, to use your word, it's trite, and I just, I'm done. Okay, Coolest Four Seconds. I'll drop that vocal back and forth with Bob Mould and Dear Rosemary towards the end. Like I said, one of my favorite clips from this band.
1: Yeah, I like Walking After You, the, the acoustic joint that they did in 90, uh, of the color and the shape. walk-up
0: acoustic like progression it's really cool i like it his scream before the guitar solo and something from nothing that is unreal i would cough for a week if i did that oh yeah that's, I, I like that song a lot.
1: I don't know how he pulls that shit off. I mean, he screams a lot like that in concert.
0: Yeah. Every
1: fucking night. I don't know how he isn't blown a vocal cord.
0: He doesn't seem like he lays off. Mm-hmm. He really does, you know, give it a, what seems to be his all. And I, I agree. You would drink like a gallon of honey afterwards <laughs> to try, try to soothe your throat.
1: I like the uh, the intro to Gimme Stitches. hard driving pretty cool i like the title yeah give me stitches i love that
0: there is a uh, screamo part from all my life where the whole band goes into this heavy drive they just keep repeating these heavy chords that I know I just always loved that part where it was just chunking and then goes into the classic Dave Grohl vocals yeah
1: I I know I just shit on it but I do like the, the Tom intro to My Hero oh yeah It's, it's a cool way to start up a uh, song, yeah. It's good, and, and then his whiny guitar, It's pretty cool,
0: right? Like like good dissonance there. Sisters of Mercy.
1: I'm good. I got my five that I'll ride with. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to get any much more out of them. You know, it's not like you know you go back and listen to like a Pink Floyd. You're like, holy shit! Oh, that's that's different. I I I didn't hear that one before. And you know? I'm going to listen to more of that. Uh, I don't think I'm ever going to go back through this catalog and be like, oh, that's one I haven't heard before. And that's really good. I just don't think so.
0: As I've done cruised- it. It's not there. <laughs> As I cruised it, I was like, okay, there's a lot on these albums that I don't recognize. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they play to their audience when they play live. They they know what the audience wants to hear. Which is
1: exactly how I think you and I both landed on this. Is like, this is, this is Hard Rock Tom Petty.
0: Yeah. It's not a bad place to live. No. I mean, it's a popular street. It's pop music. It, it is pop music. There yeah. is no two ways about it. Quick call out to my sister-in-law, Sarah. She said she was not a giant Foo Fighters fan. So she was not necessarily looking forward to this episode. But I said, hey.
1: You giving her the intel? for." <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I suggested a song to her. Got the you. song is called Stranger Things Have Happened.
2: I behave, I behave, I behave so I can share it with you. You were not alone, dear loneliness, you forgot, but I remember there's oh, stranger, strange, stranger things have happened, I
0: know. It's super chill, it's kind of melancholy, she's going through some some challenges right now, and so I said, try this on for size, and she told me, well, I really like that, and I said, alright, well, now i got to give you a call out, which means you have to listen to the episode, okay, so... Cool. Hello, Sarah. Can't wait to see you again, Sarah. One more thing, because I like these two songs a lot. The Eagles of Death Metal are an original band, but they also did a couple of covers. One of the covers they did was Careless Whisper. They do, really, they do it really well. They they modify it a little bit. One of the others is Save a Prayer by Duran Duran. Like those boys. We'll give them a little more airtime.
1: You didn't ask me if I would rather have Steve Perry front the band.
0: Would you rather have Steve Perry front the
1: band? I'll tell you what, if that's the new gimmick where I've got pull, I'm going to pull this because they brought in uh, Rick Astley. They, they Rick rolled the whole crowd. The whole which crowd. is fucking
0: awesome. It's a really funny, funny moment, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll listen to four songs by, <laughs> by Steve Perry. I'll bet you he does a pretty good job with them, too.
0: How's he going to do the Screamo shit? I don't know oh, how that's going to pull off. Come on. You're talking about these scre This is the, the first kid that was pulling that shit on the playground. I think Steve Perry <laughs> could pull it off. Well, I think we've asked the question if you'd see them when they came around again. And I'm with you. I think I'm good. Now, my kids are both fans of the band, and if they really wanted to see the foos, I would be part of that and take them to go see them. But if it was just, you know, you and I going, hey, so it's such and such in town, I don't know if it would be the foos.
1: Speaking of which, so the Hard Rock opened up its casino in, I don't know, Indiana, some fucking burned out coal city in Indiana. They have, of course, the Hard Rock Pavilion, whatever they bring in lights. Do you know who's playing there in August, my friend?
0: I do not extreme oh my gosh is playing with living color oh i'd go to see living color yeah yes yeah. yes you would i don't know if i could stomach a whole set of gary Sharone.
1: we out there you know playing slots how <laughs> <laughs> gary Sharone is like uh yeah uh, that island didn't work out so i'm back <laughs> here i am do you know? <laughs> can i come back fellas <laughs> <laughs> what a dick <laughs> that's a
0: grave i'll happily dance on all right, what is your MVP here?
1: Oh yeah, oh well, it's got. I mean, it's got to be Grohl, but I mean, like, can we get a little bit more provocative than just Dave Grohl as being the MVP? Who do you have for yours?
0: I have Cobain's mental illness. <laughs>
1: okay. I, mean, I was leaning that way.
0: That doesn't happen. You don't have Foo Fighters. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's not not a happy a- thing. <laughs> but
0: you know, without that, this doesn't happen. It, it is a sliding doors moment.
1: Yep, in uh, rock history. But you're right. What are your rankings? Skill. I mean, we're at like
0: a two and a half, middle of the road. Really? Yeah. That bass player, not flashy, but he's a fucking metronome and he's quick. Okay. <laughs> you had Hawkins, who was one of the best drummers in the world. I
1: mean, uh, go ahead. You you disagree with my two and a half, obviously. Where do you have him at? I got
0: him at a three eight. Okay. All
1: right. So I this, got them in a three. It's a eight. wide change over there. Yeah. 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 I mean I, so the rhythm section has always escaped me. You know that.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Catalog, I gave him a two and a it's half. It's a
1: two for me. It's a two. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Image, I gave him a three three. They they're a cool rock band, but it's really just Hawkins and Grohl. It's an above average image. I'll give him a three
1: for the image. It's right. above
0: average. It's not great. All um, right. That wraps another episode. Appreciate you listening to us. Like I said, please follow us on both feeds. Who knows what'll happen? Yeah, we'll it out. This Columbia thing might have taken a little wind out of our sails, but we're we're pushing through. They haven't responded, so I don't know. I don't think they really give a shit what we what we have to say. Just rename this fucking rename it, Mom Petty. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm not messing with that. <laughs> I'm I, I don't need to have lawyers show up on my door. That was so weird. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.